Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. Welcome to the Bridge. All right, cool. Yeah, you guys can hold on to that. Very cool. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, we are concluding the sex series with the sex time of Q&A. And um, we have a Google voice number and we're already getting texts in, which is good. This is anonymous, um, so you guys know. And so don't think like, I'm gonna like see something and be like, hey, Michael Irvin, great question, so glad you asked. Would not do that, I love you too much for that, uh, nor could I do that. So um, yeah, don't hold back if I think that you're being a goofball, I probably won't address it because there's already really important ones coming in. Um, but someone just texted in W, so not gonna be able to work with that. Wish I could. Um, but let's start with the ones that are good. Um, so uh, so you guys know, um, a panel is always interesting. And why do you think a panel is an interesting night? <laughs> okay, that's a good answer, Cody. It's a dialogue, good question. Okay, good point. What else, what do you think? different opinions, that's very true. And so we've concurred is that we're gonna really stay away from our own opinion because of that truth and really trying to like, like it's not what I think, it's, it's what God has already said, but that is very good, Richie, I do agree with that. Um, I do think uh, what's gnarly about panels though is uh, we don't know what's coming, you know? And so, uh, guys, I think the students love you guys and they're gonna extend grace to us if we need to ponder and think for a moment. Um, and uh, we are gonna just seek the spirit and trust God's word when it says, like, the Spirit says we're not to worry about what we're to say in certain situations, right? Because the Spirit will give us the exact right words at the exact right time for what he wants to be heard tonight. So um, let's keep it real. I mean, like, we can have fun, but with having fun, um, there's also seriousness, too, as well. But you, I trust you guys to have that balance. And um, y'all ready to do this? Sure. Cool. All right, so we already got good questions coming in. Thank you for that. Keep them coming, because um, I would hate for the well to run dry on questions and then me come up with the questions and that's not going to go well. You guys know me better than that. And, um, but can, 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 can I invite you to pray? Um, and sincerely, like, I think a lot of times when like Pastor Mark asks you to pray or I ask you to pray, like we just kind of close our eyes for like 10 seconds until the guy's done. And I do that, right? Which I hate to say that, but can you sincerely pray for myself and everyone on the panel, um, and pray for your ears that you would have ears to hear. So let's really talk to God right now. Okay. Um, dear God, we invite you into this place. God, give us a spirit of peace God, let us listen to you and be led by you in this discussion. God, I just thank you that we have students here that um, want to uh, first and foremost hear what you have said about such a beautiful and important and powerful subject, God, but that also um, they've recognized in your word that you've placed more mature believers in our life to help guide us and show us the way and uh, because we want to be your disciples, God. We want to follow these leaders as they follow Christ so that we can all become more like you, God. So, so be over us tonight and help us trust in you and lean on you for these answers, Holy Spirit. It's in your name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Cool. All right. Very cool. So the first one's good and it's broad, which I think like hopefully we're starting broad tonight and we can narrow it in as the questions go on. Um, I've lost it already because there are so many here. We, we might already be set. This is so good. Um, ultimately, why should we save? Why, why is it bad to have sex uh, before marriage? Sure. Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, I, I mean, ultimately, it's about do we, do we trust God and listen to God or do we not? That's ultimately what our life is about. It, my life is about. Um, and so first thing I would say is that God says to, which means that it's best for us because God only tells us what's best for us. Um, so that's the first thing that I would say. And then, you know, biblically, God has said that that's what we should do. And then... There's things that happen in your brain when you have sex with someone that actually connects you to that person. So if you connect yourself to somebody that's not your spouse, just think about what that means whenever you get married. And it may not be that person. And then you're going to connect. You know what I'm saying? You've not then, you have this connection with someone else. It's just, it's not good. It's not good for our bodies. It's, it's not what God has for us. So that's just a little bit. I don't, I don't want to say everything reason, but do you want to say anything? Add that? Yeah, I just wanted to like reiterate the idea that there are, when you have that intimate moment, that intimate 
time with that person, you not only connect just on an emotional level, but on a neurological level. Like you're saying, those neural pathways are created, connecting you to that person on more than just a casual level. Um, And that is something that you will that you will be connected with for the rest of your life. Um, and if that has already happened with somebody who is not your spouse, you're, you're no less of a person. That's just extra baggage that you're going to have to work through with your spouse when you step into that covenant relationship. Um, because a covenant relationship goes deeper than just a casual connection, but it is a covenant, it is a promise, it is two different things becoming one single thing. Um, and both things bring in baggage. And that's just going to be an extra piece that you, you are going to have to work through with your spouse. Can I add on to that? Sorry. You just brought it up in my mind. Um, one thing that also is really important about what Kevin said is that, <clears throat> honestly, I feel like, and, and I'm a human. There's a lot I don't know. But I feel like God did that because marriage is hard. And sometimes we need to 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 be so committed to our spouse and not, um, so let me say it this way. If you do that before marriage, you lose objectivity about who that person is. You don't see things that you would have seen otherwise because you're connected to them in a very neurological, emotional way. Um, And so I believe we need that connection in marriage to walk through life married. Does that make sense? Did I say that? Okay. Yeah. That's good. And, and guys, I think you did a good job zooming in on a very wide question, and wide questions are good, um, but th- thanks for, thanks for uh, bringing that home in a good way. And I think a consistent theme that we said throughout the series is that sex is deeper than skin, right? It goes beyond the moment itself, right? After that, I think you guys did a good job of hitting on there is a lasting impact to this. And Kevin, you even referenced Genesis 2 ultimately, which we taught on, um, I think, in the second teaching of the series, is that God says when we sleep together, when man and women sleep together, the two shall become one. They become this one flesh thing. So um, well done, uh, you guys. So um, this is, I think, going to be an easier catch for us as we warm up because there are some extremely good ones. So thank you, guys. How can I avoid strong sexual temptation while in a long relationship? So there's a specific um, caveat to that. It's not just how can I avoid sexual temptation. It's like, I'm in a long relationship, right? And, and I think that's so wise that someone wants to know that. So how would you say in that matter specifically? And then you can also go zoom out of that more specific question as well, if you guys would like. Cool. I will start this one off if that's okay. Um, so this one, I don't know. Where my mind goes with this is communication, which I know might be like, what does she mean by that? But I think, I think back to when me and Jackson were in a long relationship, and we were even long distance for a little bit. Um, you have to communicate where the boundaries are that you've decided for yourself for each other. And that helps the other person know, okay, like they're not comfortable going this far, or we decided not to go this far because, you know, that's what we felt like when we prayed, the Lord told us. So communication is actually like a really important part because we can't be guessing like what is the temptation for them because what tempts him may be different than what tempts me as well because we do operate differently. Um, and each, I mean, we're all so different, you know? I, I just think that like we, we have to start talking about it to each other. And honestly, that's great because when you get in marriage, it's you have to like communicate like crazy about so many things. So why not practice now when you're dating about something so important? So I'm just going to start off and say communication. Well done. But I'm sure there's lots more to add. I have something. I think it's also really important too about what Bree said about communicating about your boundaries. Definitely something we were talking about before the panel is communicate them like before the heat of the moment. Like when your feelings, your emotions are clouding your judgment, like communicate about them when you're in a public place or you're hanging out with your parents. Like it's just way smarter and better for both of you to talk about it before you're all mixed up in the feelings. I'll just add, um, going off of what Katie said, like, it's much easier to make, say, the decision of let's not go to my house because my parents won't be home. That's an easier decision to make than if you're at the house by yourself, oh, let's not have sex. You know what I mean? It's much easier to, like, say at school, be like, oh, let's not do my place. My parents won't be there. That's a small thing that will keep you out of temptation. Like, 
flee from temptation and help each other stay out of situations where you'll be tempted. Because obviously, if you're like, let's sit in this parked car at Denny's at midnight, like that's a lot more tempting than like, let's go to Steak and Shake together. You know what I mean? And sit in a public place. Nothing against Denny's or for Steak and Shake, but don't put yourself into the way of temptation. There are so many things where you know it's not this isn't smart. This isn't going to help me with my temptation. So just keep away from those things, you know. I just want to add, um, <clears throat> I have, have been um, in some Bible studies about some very specific things involving sex. And, and the, the one thing that seemed to happen before something bad was that people trusted themselves. Do not trust yourself. I don't know how to say that any clearer. Trust God, trust the boundary, but don't trust that you'll be strong enough. Don't trust that you're going to make the right decision when your emotions take over. Many wonderful, amazing, godly people have fallen because they trusted themselves. Just don't do it. That's just Well done. Cool. Well said, right, guys? We concur. Um, so this is good, and I, I, think, I think this is a, a follow-up to really the first question um, in regard to neurological pathway connection. Um, you know, hormones are released um, that do promote staying in connection. We do become one person. We do become one flesh. But the question now as a follow-up to that is if intimacy creates neurological pathways that connect people, how does one get past those connections due to forced relationships if it was through sexual abuse or, or through a rape? And that, that, that is a great question that, thankfully, I think the church has done a good job of addressing um, these days. And they, this panel is, is well-equipped to answer that. Um, so so who, who feels comfortable uh, just speaking into that for a moment? Just because your brain builds pathways doesn't mean they have to stay pathways. Um, that's where things like counseling, therapy, all these different modalities are out there to help you rebuild and retrain your brain. Um, the whole purpose of EMDR therapy is to retrain your brain to instead of sending signals down those negative neurological pathways, your brain is built to repair itself. And so what the, the, that certain therapy does, is it helps your brain build neuropathways around that traumatic event so that the signal goes through those positive pathways and avoids the, um, the emotional traumatic piece associated with that memory. And so your brain is designed to continually build and train and, and grow. And it's a matter of, of what you do, what the situations you put yourself in and, and the, the situations that, even if you didn't put yourself in that situation, how you approach the situation later. Um, and so that would be my, my recommendation is, is seek out a counselor or a therapist to help work through that baggage. Like I said, everybody's got baggage coming into a relationship. That's You're not going to not have baggage. Um, but it's a matter of how you deal with that baggage and how if you care enough about yourself and the other person to address that baggage and rebuild those neurological pathways away from that traumatic event and into something that is, is pouring out into that covenant relationship. Very well done. That's good. That's good. And with that, I mean, I'm so glad Kevin, you know, is educated on that, um, on, on, on the matter. And there are sins that we've committed, like, like I've committed sexual sins that I've chosen to do, but then there were some sins that were committed against us. You, you, I just want to over-communicate. You didn't sin. That, that wasn't your fault. If we know people, we need to communicate. Like, look, like you, you were innocent. You were a child of God, and 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 and, and that was an, an act of the enemy. And, and we are we are sorry, and we're here for you. And so I think it's just so important to be like, you know, I think sometimes we take on guilt for for having been abused, you know, and that is just like not how God sees you. He loves you, and He's with you in that heartache. And I just want you to remember that. And like Kevin said, it's like. Man, I, it, like something can be really dark and hard that we need counseling for. But I believe that every person at some point in their life should get counseling. We're, we're advocates of counseling. Um, I've been to two different counselors in my life. And has everyone here been on this, on this panel been at counseling? Of some, yeah, so it's like we're advocates of that. So, so yes, we certainly can do that. So um, there are two good questions um, that I'm going to marry together in regards to the engagement season. Okay, so the first is sex when it, when is 
when people are engaged is wrong, but why? And then the second one is like that in that, what if I know this is the person I'm marrying and have been with this person for a long time, is sex then okay? So the first one, I, I think these are in the same realm, if you will. One is, okay, I'm engaged with this person, why don't we just start having sex? And the second one is, like, well, ultimately, like, we're not engaged, but I know this is the love of my life and I know I wanna marry with them, why can't like, like I just start having sex? It's a good question. I'm so black and white. I would just say you're not married. Oh, like Come on. <laughs> being <laughs> like until that person and you have made the covenant, like shouldn't go down, you know, according to what we believe, what the Bible says, because God loves us, you know, not because he's trying to enforce this really awful rule on our life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could think it's the love of your life and, but yeah, I don't know. I'm so black and white. You're not married yet. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's good. And I just want to add, like, um, <clears throat> developmentally, you will change a lot before you get married. You, you, will, you will grow in many ways. And you won't be a completely different person, but things will change. And so now I believe is not the time to even say, I know who I'm going to marry. You know, God's word says, do not, what does it say about, do not say, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there because we don't know what will happen tomorrow. So, um, you know, I just think at, at your age, it's very wise and we want you to be wise. It's very wise to say to yourself, I, I'm still a child, you guys deal with adult things that maybe some people didn't deal with at your age, and I and I think that's hard. But you're still children, um, and you're still going to grow, and you're still going to change, and many things can change before you walk down the aisle. Um, so, yeah, very good. Okay, um, <clears throat> work with me for a moment, guys. I'm seeing a consistent theme of questions here um, in regards to those of us who have already lost our virginity and have already slept with people. Um, how should we respond moving forward if, if we've already um, chosen uh, to, to act out sexually before marriage? What should we do from here on out? Grace and mercy is new every day. Lamentations says that time and time again that God pours out mercy every morning um, and so you, even though you may have engaged with sexual intimacy with somebody else that does not define you um, God's grace defines you his mercy defines you you get to choose who you are going to serve today you get to choose if you're going to do what God has called you to and live to the standard God has called you to or if you're going to choose yourself and you're, you're going to follow your own feelings into something that is going to not nearly be as good as what God wants to call you into. So if, you've, if it's already happened, it's okay because mercies are new every day. So you get to choose what you're going to pursue with tomorrow. I feel like this is also kind of like a duh, but maybe not. Like even if you have like had sex with somebody, that doesn't mean like, oh, I've had sex with somebody. I can keep having sex with other people. Like don't. Like stop, draw the line in the sand. Like you're just creating more soul ties for yourself later on down the line and more baggage you have to work through with your spouse. Like we're all saying like, just because you've like made the mistake doesn't mean that you have to keep doing it. Isn't it Paul that says just because you have grace does not give you the okay to continue sinning. You've been given grace because grace is what was required for you to experience that relationship with God. But, but you given that grace should call you into a higher standard of living than you've set yourself. So just because you've been given the grace that covers your sin, doesn't mean like, Oh, I, I, it's all good. I'm, I can continue sinning because God's grace covers me. No, it's that very grace that has covered you that should call you and compel you into living a righteous life that God is, is desiring for you. And I just want to add, I know Jackson has shared with you guys through the sex series that he's been teaching that like he wasn't a virgin before we got married. And in no way did I look at him as damaged goods. And I didn't have a perfect past myself, but like when I looked at him, it was like he was a new creation. Like I knew God had forgave him a long time ago. And he still asked my forgiveness, you know, because it was something that he felt like he did 
you know, against his future spouse and stuff, which I think that you've also hit on in your previous teachings. Um, but in no way was I holding that against him. You know, and you're, if you're marrying somebody who is following the Lord and knows the scripture, like they should not be holding that against you. And if they are, you guys need to work through that, you know, maybe with a mentor or someone. So that would be my advice. Yeah, very good. Well said. Um, I'll, I'll just, just adjust this one quickly because it, it is um, just following up on the question of maybe sexual abuse or a rape situation. Um, again, is the person asks, do I need to repent if that happened to me? No, like you were sinned against. Like, 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 like you, you were an innocent child of God and God said vengeance will be mine and he will handle that. He will deal with you, that. He's the perfect judge, but you're, you're innocent. You, you are loved by God. You're seen by God. He wasn't far from you in that moment. He, it says in his word that he's near to the brokenhearted, right? And that was a hard thing and, and, and that should never have happened. That was never in God's plan and never in God's design. But in that, I just want to reiterate, did you sin? No. Do you need to ask for forgiveness? No. Do you need to go get maybe help or therapy or counseling? 100%. Okay, so I just, I just want to speak into that before we move on. Can I add something to sure. that? Sure. I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I just want to be honest and say, like, I was sexually assaulted twice in high school. And, like, for whoever that is out there or multiple people, because I know there's multiple people out there, um, I know that the feeling is often, like, shame and dirty, even though, like, it wasn't your choice or confusing. Um, so if you're feeling shame and dirtiness in these things, like, that's not from the Lord. Like, that's straight up a lie from Satan, trying to mark you, trying to speak into your identity when he has no voice over your identity. So we're all here to talk with you. Um, like, please, 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 if that's you and you're struggling with that, like, we would love to pray with you over that. Yeah, I would like to add to that, too. Um, uh, I was also uh, sexually abused as a as a little girl, but um, I just want to say I feel like I feel like I need to say there is hope and there is healing. I've met people who've been sexually assaulted. One out of four girls have been sexually assaulted, sexually abused. So I've met many people like that, and the ones that are able to get therapy, seek the Lord, give it to the Lord. They come out of that different, yes. It'll never be the same. It, you, we are different after that. But we're not broken. You know, we're whole in Christ. And so there is so much hope um, after abuse. And, and I'm not going to lie. Guys get abused too. Um, so, so you've got to be able to um, work through it. And that starts with telling someone who can help you, a therapist, or telling us, and we can help you find a therapist. Jackson has great resources. Um, <clears throat> and then you start walking that path that, that, will, that will help you. Um, there is a spiritual side, and then I think there's sometimes there's these logistical things that we have to do to work out what's going on inside of us after something like that happens. So I just want to say there's hope. Okay. Well said. Um, hey, Peyton, I'm going to throw this one your way. Um, we're getting a lot just in, in the similar realm on this one. Um, and I'll combine them. What are your thoughts on the LGBT community? And ultimately, it's not our thoughts, right? Um, and secondly, um, <clears throat> I'm very close in my relationship with God, but even I have homosexual thoughts sometimes. Um, it feels right, but I don't know if it's really wrong. First off... Um on the first question, what are our thoughts on the LGBT community? Um, that they're people who need Christ, just like I'm a person who needs Christ. Um, yeah, we all need Jesus. Um, I need Jesus, boy oh. Um, but yeah, and it's no different for them. I hope um, we have more LGBT people finding a home here and uh, finding a home in Christ. Um, Christ will meet us exactly where we are, um, but Pastor Mark always says he loves us too much to keep us there. Um, so we will be transformed through him. Um, sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ, looking more like Christ. We all go through that. Um, so, yeah. Part one, 
What was the second one question? Uh, as a Christ follower, if homosexual thoughts occur with me, um, like, like how, how do I deal with that? And even sometimes those thoughts feel right. I guess on the feel right part, I'm gonna echo Candace in that don't trust yourself. Um, trust the word of God. Um, I have a lot of thoughts in my head that fleet, come in, go out. Um, if they're not in the word of God, they're probably not from God. If you can't hold them against the word of God and say this is here, it's not from God. Um, it's probably a lie. Um, but if you're having those thoughts, a lot of people in here are struggling with lust, whether it's same-sex lust or um, other sex, opposite. <laughs> opposite sex, thank you. <laughs> opposite sex lust. Um, so I would treat pretty much both of those issues the same way. First off, like, feel like you could talk to us. We're not gonna be like, oh my gosh, what? Like, no, pl please talk to us about it. Talk to us about like your feelings and what's coming into your head. Um, and just like, we can't attempt to speak life into that if you're not gonna let us know what's going on. You know what I mean? So don't feel like you'll be judged or made fun of um, if you have those feelings. I think a lot more people have them uh, than it's talked about. So yeah, don't be ashamed of the feelings. Tell us about them and let's work through them together. But also like, we do need to flee from any sin, throw off any chain that's holding us down from our run towards Christ, you know? And that goes for everything in our life. Yeah, perfect. Good, thank you. Um, so uh, what do we do um, when we're in high school and um, we've been very good friends with somebody and then they get in a relationship and we feel like we've been ditched? Like how, how, how do we process that? How do we wrestle with that? Like what are we, like what, what is some wisdom with that? Has anyone ever experienced that besides all of us on this panel? Okay, cool, yeah, it's good. I'll go. Um, <laughs> So um, I would say I would go to my friend and I would say how I feel. I would let him know. I would be honest. I wouldn't be angry. I would just be honest and say, this has hurt me. I feel like this is what's happening. And then your friend has two reactions. Oh, I didn't mean for it to happen. I'm so sorry. To which I would then forgive them and say, how could we move forward by making sure I don't feel left out or you don't ditch me on Friday night? Could we make a plan? And if your friend says, yeah, and I'm going to keep doing it, um, then I think you got to reevaluate, you know? I think you've got to say, okay, if this friend has chosen this, um, and I've tried to, to let them know, and, and, you know, I would have to pray that their heart would be changed. Honestly, I would pray that they didn't have a good time with their friend, their boyfriend, you know what I'm saying? So that, you know what I'm saying? I would pray that. But I think... <laughs> I think that ultimately our heart has to forgive them for that um, and, and just communicate the best that we can. I, I just, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, so to, to add to that idea of like, friendships exist in a place of constant fluctuation. I'm the, my best friend from fifth grade is not my best friend now. Um, my best friend from two years ago is not my best friend now. So I, part of the whole growing process and understanding my role in the world at large is understanding how do I deal with transitional seasons in my life. Because um, you will always have them. It's a part of drawing breath. You're going to be in transition. Um, so part of that transition is recognizing, is this transition growing? Is this transition decreasing? Or is this transition being stagnant and toxic? Um, and if it's growing, lean into it and pour out in that. If it's decreasing, learn to be okay with saying, okay, this is, this is a, a closing season on this, this relationship. And, and that's okay because the things that happened in this relationship and this friendship were, were awesome and beautiful. And they've, they've made me who I am. Um, and if it's toxic, I mean, my knee-jerk reaction is burn the bridge. Just push the eject button. You don't need it. Get rid of it. Um, yeah. Good. Um, we've had about three or four questions come in on um, where in the Bible does it say that watching porn is wrong and why is it wrong? Um, I'll start on this one. And so if anyone has anything to add, you guys um, feel free. We talked about neurological pathways already. And when we're consuming things like pornography, 
the same neurological pathways, the same chemicals, the same neuroreceptors are all still being released, right? So, so yes, it's not the same as actually having sex, but there is still damage being done to your brain, okay? I think it's the first thing. Um, it's abusive to women, right, ultimately. Like, that, that is a wicked and evil industry, and if we're partaking in that, then we're promoting that, okay? And we cannot do that. Um, it, it hurts men, right? And, but I would say a huge percentage of the industry um, is consumed by men. Now, th those percentages are greatly increasing for women as well. Like, like both sides of the fence, men and women are deeply struggling and hurting with this issue, and it's causing uh, great problems, right? And um, it ruins marriages, and it, it ruins our future sex life as well. So, so therefore, we're not going to participate in it. And it does say all over God's word, because, um, you know, it says, yes, of course, uh, we're not to, to sleep with someone before we're married. But Jesus also said that if you look lustfully upon another woman in your heart, it's the same thing as if you have committed adultery against them. So, so, so man, we are still falling in sin with this thing. Is there anything else you guys would like to add on to that? The question was where in scripture. Um, Matthew 5 is the Beatitudes, specifically verse 27 and 28. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Jesus says, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So this idea that that image that you're looking at is not your wife. That person that you are looking at is not your wife. And we've already discussed that any any sort of sexual experience outside of your wife is baggage that you are going to have to deal with and it's a neural pathway that your brain has developed into, into these negative thought patterns that God is, call, is calling you out of. Um, so, not to beat a dead horse, Matthew 5, 28 is where in Scripture you can find it. Um, also, 1 Peter two eleven, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Exodus twenty seventeen. you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The image you're looking at is not yours. And women, girls, struggle with pornography as well. So it does apply to uh, looking lustfully at men. Um, also, if you want to do some research, what I love is that the world is all the time figuring out what God has already said. I love it. So you can go and research what happens to someone's brain when they view porn, and you will find out that their brain looks like someone that's addicted to cocaine. So you can research that. Um, it is not good for you. It's horrible for your relationships, your spouse, Yes, but even more relationships than that. Um, one other thing that I want you guys to understand is that porn can be progressive. It'll start with a little, it'll get to a lot. Then it will get into other things that are even worse. There, it's known to be progressive to, to a very, very sick point. You do not want to be in porn, you do not want to get started with porn, you do not want to think it's okay, um, it's really not. But at the same time, I truly believe there's no condemnation in Christ, and so if you want to break free from that, there are resources. There are people here that know about it or that can find you resources, so talk to someone about it. Um, a lot of times, you are as sick as your secrets, so don't let it be a secret. Very well, and, it, and I, I think it's good to, and okay to spend a lot of time on this subject um, because it's rampant in the church, right? It's rampant amongst Christians. Um, I had a nine-year pornography addiction from the ages of 13 to 22, and um, I wanted to stop, and I couldn't, and it was really hard. Um, and I wish I could give you a magical cure or a three-to-one formula um, for how it ended, um, but what I can say is that God came in and he healed me and he took it away from me, right? And so, so with that, be like, Jackson, what does that do for me? I'd say get down on your knees and, and, and ask God to help you, and he will. Because 
you're going to lose some battles along the way in this journey. But God will win this war in your life. Like healing and victory can come tonight. And just to reiterate as the, what we said about we're as sick as our secrets, a lot of the students in this room, male and female, have confessed this struggle to me. And we're holding each other accountable. And we're doing better. And we're growing. I'm 30 years old. Man, I'm eight years free of that stuff. And, and God is so faithful. I never prance around and be like, oh, yeah, I got this now. Right? No, I, I approach sin with fear and trembling. I don't even want to get close to it. But you will have this victory in your life. God will heal this from you. I'm certain um, of that. But it does say in James that, um, that we, we are called to confess our sins to one another so that we may find healing. If we keep that in, that's, I, 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 I'm scared for you in that. You have to bring this to the light, and it will not be able to live in the light. So, so we can do this together as a community. And that doesn't go for porn, right? That goes for any sexual activity as well. Like, like, bring it to the light. Let's hold each other accountable, right? Just because Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior doesn't mean that you won't struggle with temptation. Remember, Jesus was, was tempted in every way, just as we are. So it's not like he, he condemns you for it. He, he, he understands intimately. But because he's been there, he knows the way out of these situations. And he'll show you that way if you rely on him. So uh, maybe th there's a lot of humility in this question, which I respect. So maybe this is a question coming from a poor education, but where in the Bible is homosexuality wrong? I think that's good. You want that to be your source. You should want that. Very good. When Paul speaks about it in the epistles, it is in the context. Okay, so now this person edu is educated because they're throwing this stuff at me now. When Paul speaks about it in the epistles, it is in the context of those cities where homosexual relations was rape between a man and a boy or prostitution in the temples. Genesis 1, 27, God created man in his own image, and the image of God who created him male and female, he created them. Uh, Genesis 2, 21, 24, then the Lord made the man fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the flesh. He formed a woman out of that rib and brought her to him. Then the man said, at last, here's one of my own kind, bone taken from my bone and flesh from my flesh. Woman is her name because she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one. 1 Corinthians 7, 2-3, but because there's so much immorality, every man should have his own wife, and every woman should have her own husband. A man should fulfill his duty as a husband, and a woman should fulfill her duty as a wife, and each should satisfy the other's needs. Romans 1, 27, therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their heart to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in the desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. I want to take a moment to pause because notice... God loved us enough to let them make their own choice, but he is just enough to let them reap the benefits of the choice. God loves me enough to let me make my own choice, but he is also just, so I will reap the benefits of everything that I have chosen to do. Leviticus 2013, if there is a man who lies with a male as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed the testable act. And also quoted Leviticus 18, Romans 8, Galatians 5, Jude 1. This is a very, very, like, clearly written out and backed. What is this? It's so good. Quick scripture referencing for... I, so, I'm sorry. It's, it's really good. If you don't have one, you should get one. Here's the thing. God's word, God's word is clear as... As the School of Ministry pastor said, um, God's word is clear. So the, really the choice is, do we want to do what we want to do or do we want to do what God wants to do? That's really what it boils down to. Um, the world will tell us many things are right. But I wouldn't believe them. It leads to bad things. 
But God will tell us what it really is right or wrong because he loves us. Like he wants the best for us. He wants what's not going to harm us. So, um, so I feel like the choice, the choice really is, do I believe God and trust him and do what he says? Or do I believe the world and believe what I want? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It really is anything. And I hope, yeah, I'd like to. That's, that's, that's the best statement I've ever heard. Okay. So uh, this one goes back to boundaries, and I think this is a very fair question. Is it okay to be close to each other in the same bed? Example, cuddling, kissing, and falling asleep. And I, th- I think that's a very fair and good question. It's good. Uh, no. Yes, I'm a mom. I get it. I'm a mom. But I'm telling you, do not trust yourself. That's like a recovering alcoholic going into a bar. Never a good idea. Never a good idea. Um, do not trust yourself. I, I, no. I feel like you're just pushing the line. Like, it starts with, like... Maybe like sitting next to each other really close and then like falling asleep together, but like you're constantly gonna be like, well, that was fine and we didn't have sex. Like you're just constantly gonna be pushing the line. Think of it as like doing, you're doing yourself a favor by not even putting yourself into those situations because you're making it harder on yourself if you're like, oh, well, we could share a bed. We're gonna be fine. You're making it harder on yourself. Like be smart while you're not in the throes of passion, you know? Make these decisions. Um, pragmatically and through the word of God, don't put yourself in that situation. Feel like you're, you're, you're strengthening yourself by not putting yourself into those situations. You know, you're liberating yourself from sin. Are you guys taking notes? Like liberating. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. I love it. Kevin's my cheerleader. I'm happy he's back. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I got. Uh, can I just add to that? It's, it's like, to me, so sad. To me, it's like, like, would you, ah, I'm trying to think of something you guys wouldn't do, but you, this generation is crazy. You're all about, you're all about adventure and excitement and, right? And that's so great. Just not in the same bed. And so I say, like, like, okay, if there was. It's being recorded, by the way. Just to that. Oh, thank you. Do it. If there was a shooting, okay, someone with a gun, would you stay or would you go? Right? You would go because it's dangerous. Two people not married in the same bed is dangerous. It's just dangerous. It's just dangerous. With love, I say. I'm not being rude. Like, you guys are smart. Um, And so it's just just never a good idea. You liberate yourself. That's my new thing. I'm going to liberate myself from sin. So good. So good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it says in, um, in God's word in 1 Corinthians that all things are lawful, but not everything is beneficial. Like, are you, like we were discussing this earlier, like in this race that we're running for God, are we running after him in holiness? Or am I trying to get as close to the line of sin as possible without crossing it, right? And our calling is that we're called to seek holiness and we don't want to set up set ourselves up for failure. We want to be wise. You're created to carry out this sexual act to completion, right? And a lot of that stuff, you know what it is? Do you guys know what like all like cuddling and kissing and um, hanging out in a bed together is called? Foreplay. So like, like what, it, what does that mean, right? It, it's, it's what you do before you have sex, right? So it's like, ultimately, that's where it's supposed to lead. And its natural end in your creation is to end in sex. So if you want to abide by God's word, man, don't set yourselves up for failure like that. And I concur with everything that was said. Um, So I have been away from God and shut him out of my life for a very long time, as well as already having premarital sex. How can I come back to God and live in a world where many people sexualize our everyday teenage lives? It is a very good question. Um, before you guys answer, one of you answer, I would like to um, let you know that um, 
there are less teenagers having sex now than there were. Hold on, I gotta find my statistic, my eyes. Hold on, I apologize. <laughs> so it's like 13, here it is. Between 1991 and 2015, the proportion of students who ever had sexual intercourse decreased from 54% to 41%, okay? Wait, what was the question again? Scripture says that if, if you call upon the name of the Lord and you repent from your sin, then God is faithful to forgive you of your sin. Repent, repenting is confessing and turning from. Doesn't matter how dark it was, doesn't matter how shameful it was, doesn't matter how guilty it was, doesn't matter how far you ran from God, repent and he will bring you back into the fold immediately. Repenting is not just saying, God, I'm sorry, I'm gonna go back to it. That's a dog returning to its vomit. Repenting is saying, God, I am so sorry. I love you enough to trust you. I love you enough to trust you with, with my shame. I love you enough to trust you with my past experiences. I love you enough to trust you to show up in my life. And he will do that. He remains faithful to do that. So you just admit that you, you have sinned and believe that Christ saves you from sin. That's it. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's not four Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. You don't have to sacrifice a goat. It, it is simply saying, God, I suck. God, I need you. God, save me from myself. And that's, that's it. You guys can clap for that. It's good. Yeah. Um, we do have more. Would you guys like us to answer one more? Or you guys want to keep going a little bit? Who votes more? All right. Who, who, who says I'm tired? <laughs> that's fair. Well, well all right. Well, we're going to do two more. We're going to compromise there. Um, I'll take the next one and then someone else can land the plane for us would be swell, okay? Um, the question was um, abortion. And if... Oh yeah, no, we, we, we embrace it. We, we embrace tough questions. Sure. Um, politically controversial, right? There's a lot of people that like, like even in the church, like, you know, I, I think dominantly uh, in the church, I would say most likely conservative, but even the church, um, this, is, this is a very split thing. But God hates the shedding of innocent blood. It says in the Psalms that God, he formed us together in our mother's womb. Even before that, he knew us. Every person is called by God and is gifted by God. And every person has a right to live for him and meet him and know him as their Lord and Savior. And there might be a lot of rationales and reasonings and explanations of why people want to justify abortion. Well, what about this case and what about that case? People, as Christians, you're called to defend the baby inside the mother's womb. That is your calling as a Christian. That is not a question. You are called and commanded by God to let people know that that is a person. We are, if you're a Christian, then you are pro-life. You are not for abortion. You are not for the murdering of babies. And, and I, I'm brutal about this, why? Because my youngest brother, Toby, he was adopted. And his mother was on her way into an abortion clinic in Boston, Massachusetts. And there was two Catholic ladies with an RV that were former nurses and they kept an ultrasound machine in their RV. And they offered the woman going to, into the clinic to abort Tobijah, my brother, when he was six months old. And they said, hey, look, we, ha we have these resources. We can help you. Would you like a free ultrasound? They brought Toby and, and, and the mother, her name was Betty, into this, uh, into this RV. And she got an ultrasound. And she saw a baby in there moving his limbs. She heard a heartbeat and said, oh, my God. Like, this is, a, this is a human, this is a child, this is a baby. Like, I can't do this. And then in turn, they said, we'll help you find a home for your child. If you feel like you're in a place where you can't do this, or if you were raped and you didn't, you didn't, you, you're not ready for this child, we understand and we're here to help you through that. But, but this baby should not have to be murdered because of that. And in turn, they called my family, who my mom had had four miscarriages at the time. And we gladly took Toby into our home, this woman, we flew her into Florida, and we took care of her through her pregnancy. 
And now Toby is my younger brother, and he's 25 years old. You know, he's a radical dude who is like, like a blessing to me and Brianna's life, like, like an incredible man, right? And so, so in that, it's like, there, I, I think that's a big question of, um, is abortion wrong? Yeah, it is, and it's all over scripture, right? Like, like God's against that, and people will stand before God. But if someone's had an abortion, like my best friend's mom, she also had an abortion. But you know, she asked for forgiveness, and God forgives her. You know, Jesus died on the cross for that, and that's forgiven, you know, that's gone. He, like, God doesn't look at my best friend's mom, Anne Marie, and say, you know, um, like, man, she, she, she's a murderer. No. Jesus took the penalty of that. And now he looks at that woman who had an abortion and says, that's my daughter. And she's royalty now. Because Jesus, I, I'm Jesus, and I took the weight of that on the cross with me. And then we zoom out a little bit more of, of the question of, if it's my body, shouldn't I be able to do what I want? If, if Christ is our Lord and Savior then we are not our own because we've been bought at a price. So our body belongs to God. And so, so that's ultimately like where, where um, we'll conclude with, with that idea, okay? Okay. Um, we're still uh, getting questions in about um, the struggle of not, not even um, like hypothetical, like I'm struggling with homosexuality, but like, like I... I struggle with homosexuality. Um, so, so if anyone just wants to reiterate the grace and love of God um, and his, his plan for that, and then we'll conclude with that. You're not defined by your struggles or your sin. You're defined by, by what God views you as. You are a child of God. You are a beautiful individual that, that because you draw breath, you have intrinsic value. Um, you are there's this, this theological idea called the Imago Dei, and that scripture says that we are created in the image of God. Okay, so what you're, what you're struggling with does not define who you are. What defines who you are is how God sees you, and God sees you as a beautiful creation who he desires and he values. Um, everybody has a sin that they're dealing with. Um, it's whether or not they choose to, to engage and pursue that sin or whether they choose to, to flee from that, that sin. Um, and that's, that's the choice that you're faced with. That's the choice that I'm fa- we're all faced with, that, that base choice. God says this is a sin. Do I want to pursue it or do I want to run from it? And that's, that's something you, you, have to, you have to decide. I just was remembering something you taught, which was... Um, you, you don't have a sex problem, you have a God problem. And I feel like that is appropriate here because at the end of the day, if, if it's not homosexuality, it, it's going to be lying. It's going to be uh, stealing. It's go, it, 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 it could be any sin. And, and the question is not, this is my struggle. The question is, you know, what is God asking me to do with that struggle? What is God saying um, that I that I have to to do in this situation? Um, scripture's there, but there's also Jackie Hill Perry, who was a lesbian and now is not. And so you could look up that. You could look up her book. You could look up her teachings. Um, it, it, it's really important to understand that uh, just because we you're not defined by that sin. You, if you're a Christ follower, you are a Christ follower who has forgiveness and, and can choose not to do the things that our body wants to do and not live by the flesh, but live by the spirit. Um, so, so look at those resources, talk to somebody. Um, God will forgive you for anything you've done as long as you ask. So it's really good. Do you remember the name of Jackie Hill's book? I don't. Say it again. Gay girl, good God. Gay girl, good God. That Devo's free on you version too. Nice. So, really good resource. Very good. Yeah, and um, we're we're gonna conclude because we're already thir- thirteen minutes past time. Um, but um, guys, like, man, th- thanks for asking such good questions. Um, man, don't ever let a sin keep you out of the house of God and from mentors and disciple makers and teachers who love you right? That's what Satan wants. He wants us to mess up and go into hiding, 
you know, when God says, when you mess up, don't run from me, run to me, right? And then we're not going to end as a people defeated, like, oh, like I'm this weak person, and, and sex is such a strong thing, and yeah, it is, right? But no, God said in his word that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You are overcomers, is what it says in God's word. You are victors, and your identity determines your activity. It wasn't your behavior, right? It wasn't you saving sex for marriage that put you in the heavenly realms next to Christ Jesus. It wasn't you being a virgin that got you there. It wasn't you not kissing your husband right up until the wedding day that got you there, right? And it wasn't you, you know, having sinned your way out of God's love and not being worthy of it, right? That kept you out of it either. Your behavior doesn't get you to Christ Jesus, right? It was his love for you that brought you to him. And I just want you to remember that. Man, you're welcome in this community. No matter where you are, no matter where you've been, just never leave. That's all I ask. And you stay close to God. And if you make a mistake, don't run from the Father. You run to him. And a lot, a lot of questions like we just didn't have time to. Man, remember what Candace said. We can't keep these things in our dark because we're as sick as our secrets. Man, I admire the men and women who've come to us and confessed. Like, I'm, I'm struggling with my boyfriend. I'm struggling with my girlfriend. I'm struggling, struggling with pornography. Don't leave tonight without getting that question answered by myself or one of these people. Because we've been there and we've made the same mistakes, but God has delivered us and we stand here in victory because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I love you. I thank you for these students who want to know um, how to stay pure. We ask that question, God, in your word. How can a young person stay pure? And it's by obeying and knowing your word. God, so I pray that every student would have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, Father God. If there is any student that feels any shame, I cast it out in your name, Jesus Christ. If there is any student where they're being attacked by Satan, God, I pray that that would be cast out, that would not be welcome in here any longer, that would not be welcome with that person any longer, that it would be gone. If there's a chain of slavery attached to somebody, that it would be shattered and broken, that healing right now tonight would be ended. And purity in a relationship, it's finished tonight. Pornography addiction, it's finished tonight. And from here on, from now on, God, we will run after you. And God, I pray that every student right now, if they could in their hearts right now pray for their future spouse, I'm going to give them 30 seconds of silence right now to pray for their future spouse right now. Dear God, I love you. And I thank you for these students. I thank you that we all get to be leaders and pastors and mentors here, God, to these incredible men and women of God. Revival is happening in them. Revival is coming through them, God. And I thank you for that. God, your power is made perfect in our weakness, God. And I praise you for that, and I love you for that, God. I would pray that every student would know that in you they can find healing. So I'm looking at everyone's eyes right now, and they're all closed right now. It's just them and the Lord. And if any student right now doesn't feel like Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of their life, the master and the commander, the captain of their life, if you feel like, student, that you've been um, calling the shots instead of letting God lead you and guide you like a loving father he wants to, if you feel like you want to come back to the Father and make him your Lord, everyone's heads are bowed, eyes are closed, this is your moment. You just have to quickly shoot your hand up. I see you. You can put your hand down. I see you. Good. Anyone else? I see you, bro. Anyone else? Dear God, I love you, Lord. Man, we got students, and, and, and maybe they didn't raise their hands. I pray they pray this prayer with me. Jesus Christ, I recognize I've made mistakes. I've recognized that I've fallen short of your glorious standard. I've recognized that I've sinned against you. But God, I'm asking for forgiveness for that and repenting from that. And I'm turning to you and I'm running to your cross, God. And I know that, God, you are making all things new right now in this moment in November 2019. In a moment, God, you are so miraculous. You can make us new creations, and that is what we are. We won't let our past define us. We will let what you did for us on the cross define us, God. As saved children of you, God. And now, God, we commit our lives to living for you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.